This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. So here we are, recording another episode of Docs That Rock. I'm Tracy Ferguson. And I'm Sherita Darcy. And this week we are going to talk about yet another documentary which is completely, completely different. But before we do that... We just wanted to thank all our listeners. We actually have listeners. We have listeners. We have listeners. We thought it was just going to be my dad and two of our friends. And possibly my brother, although I don't know if he's listened yet. <laughs> no, but we'll find out. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, we have lots of listeners. Lots. And they're mostly in the USA. I know. So hello. So, hello, everyone. And thank um, you. And New York is leading the way. And then we have Atlanta, Georgia, Chicago, Sydney, Australia. Mm. Some in Dublin also and some in Galway, but very few. So no one we know is actually listening to it. That's not true. Some people I know are listening to it. Oh, okay. All right. But, uh, and my dad definitely listened. So so there, now there we, we have go. three in Galway. Now we know who they are. <laughs> we have to figure out who the, the rest of the thousand are. <laughs> so if you are listening, um, please don't be afraid to say hi on our Facebook page. Or email us at docsthatrockpodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. And thank you very much. We also want to thank Connor Brennan for our funky intro. Oh yes, our original theme tune music. Thank you, Connor. Yes, Connor, thanks very much. You're and very I, and talented. I, I dare all our listeners to not sing it for the rest of the day. It's a, it's a very catchy tune. I think it's supposed to be funky for us. I think so too. We're yeah. quite funky. Indeed. Yeah. In this heat, we are quite funky. <laughs> In this heat, we are funky. Yeah. So uh, we will be doing a little feature on the Galway Film Fla, which is a Galway Film Festival. And it's their 30th year. And we have a special interview with their programme director, Will Fitzgerald, coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Might even be out by the time we do this. We work quickly. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So tell us about this week's documentary, Sharita. This week we're going to cover an Irish documentary called Strange Occurrences in a Small Irish Village. It's a 2016 documentary which is directed by Aoife Kelleher and the writer-producer is Rachel Lysett. It explores the questions of fate in an Irish village and the effect of the strange occurrence slash vision slash apparition that has occurred in Knock. So explain what Knock is because it sounds like a knock on the door. So (laughs) Knock is a small village in the west of Ireland, quite close to where we are. How long would it take to get from here to Knock? About an hour and a half maybe? Yeah, I'd say about an hour and a half. Uh, Driving. So uh, it's a small little village and many years ago there was an apparition of... The Virgin Mary. In 1879, Mm. 15 witnesses basically saw the Virgin Mary and her husband. She brought her husband with her, Joseph. And she also brought a lamb and John the Evangelist. And she appeared to 15 parishioners at a time where Knock was really like in a bad way. There's a lot of people not knowing whether they'd have a roof over their heads. And one of the witnesses, he would have been the grandfather, no, he was the grandchild of one of the 15 people that actually witnessed the apparition. And he's quite elderly, but he is interviewed as part of this documentary. He talks about famine at in or around at this time. People were literally starving on the side of the road. And then Mary came along to lift everyone's spirits. I'm being devil's advocate now because I'm not a practicing Catholic. Neither am I. So uh, it could have been delusion due to malnutrition. 
It could have been a lot of things. (laughs) But, you know, it it could have been a lot of things. But I think that the one thing I found really uplifting about this documentary was that it is light and it's very respectful. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I'm an atheist. It's more for me, it's more about what religion means to the community and the impact that it has on the people is what she does. And she does it in a respectful way. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of red flags, I suppose, that happen in this documentary. But she keeps it nice and balanced and ultimately light I think even if you even if you don't subscribe to organised religion you'd still like this documentary because as you say it's done very respectfully and it's not shoving it in your face no and it's important to say as well that everybody all the descendants of the 15 and everyone in the community genuinely believe that this happened 100% yeah you you have to sort of respect their opinion and their stories and it is interesting to watch and it, it is done light heartedly which is nice. And she looks at a lot of different angles, which will come to later. So basically, after the apparition occurred, the, and this is what I loved about this, the parish priest, Father Jared Gibbons, he actually says, see, the church is very sceptical. <laughs> That's what he said. So they sent out two different inquiries to establish whether or not they felt that it was a genuine apparition. It was established that it was. And it is now officially a Marian shrine which is basically the church recognition that Mary has actually been at this place. Similar ones would be Lourdes or Fatima. When we were in our trip to Barcelona, we went to the Sagrada Familia. I never miss an opportunity to be very Irish about these things. There is a wall on the left-hand side and each one of the individual stained glass windows represents one of the Marian shrines. Having been raised Catholic, I knew that Knock had to be there and I stood looking at it until I found it. And I did find it, didn't I, Tracy? You did. So I remember going over to you and tipping you on the shoulder and like, look, look, it's Knock. I was wildly enthusiastic. (laughs) What are you on about? Like, look, 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 Knock, Knock. Okay, Grant, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's important to say that Knock is... A tiny little village. It's, yeah, it's quite tiny. remote. and 200 people. Or 2,000, sorry. 2,000. Yeah. yeah, a tiny little village. And uh, so it basically just had a, a little parish church. And then, because of the apparition, they started putting money into the church. So they expanded the church and made it into a shrine. Growing up around that then became this sort of industry within the town. So you have all of these religious stores selling memorabilia and artifacts and uh, souvenirs which are really cute I'd actually go just to see that because it looks really interesting it's a plastic paradise it's a plastic paradise plastic Jesus and (laughs) then you have the airport yeah and I suppose before we move on from the shops there's eight shops there's one shop that was there originally and then Monsignor Horn who's responsible for an awful lot of the development of Knock Village including the Knock Airport <laughs> it, this place has an airport, lads. <laughs> it has, but not just an airport. You have to admire his vision yeah. because he built, he raised the funding and built an airport capable of, of taking transatlantic flights. Flights, yeah. This is long before that should have been a reality yeah. in any way, shape, or form. So he he definitely had a vision for the extended he did, he future. He certainly did. But he also, yeah. the, people speak very fondly of him in the community. But he also went to the one shop owner and said to him, "You're going to have to build some shops." So he had eight plots of land and he gave one to his eight sons and daughters. I don't know actually if there's any daughters in it, but we meet two of 
siblings. So you've got like a street that has eight souvenir shops down along the road. They're all owned by the same family who are direct descendants of one of the 15 witnesses of this apparition. <laughs> and, and you meet two of them in the course of in the course of the documentary. Brother Richard Gibbons is trying to organise pilgrimages from New York and also from Boston. So you kind of get an insight into that. And this is how this entire town is built around the religion. And you see, you actually follow the planning and then the arrival of one of the first pilgrims. It is the first official pilgrimage from, from New York. York yeah. And the mayor of Boston is weighing in. You've got all of your, your visitors. So it's it's quite interesting to see them fly in and explore <laughs> Knock Town. Yeah. I mean, there's this beautiful kind of section in it where they've gone to New York and they're filming the St. Patrick's Day Parade and the Grand Marshal is Cardinal Timothy Dolan who is the Archbishop of the New York Diocese the biggest diocese I think it is in, in America so he's walking down they, they tackle the issue of homosexuality and the church and scandals and abortion and all these things she does a very good job of it she's a master director she just very subtly kind of has people come in she doesn't tell you what to think she just has different viewpoints and the way she tackles the homosexuality question was just in a small kind of shot where you see him greeting all the people and on one side there's one banner and then a balancing shot on the other side where you see people have different viewpoints and of course the diaspora and the, the Irish diaspora over there the local parish priest in Knock, Father Richard Gibbons, was very eager to have the diaspora return back to Knock, and um, because Knock would have been, he in his mind, a very special place for people growing up. So then you see, by contrast, the tiny little Patrick's Day parade in Knock with a small amount of people and their like smaller, much like lesser scale so endearing and so warm when he's making the announcement that this is going to happen it's going to be an official new york pilgrimage the first thing you see him do is like is this thing even on he's like hitting on the microphone trying to get people to sit down and it's like and then the next thing he does is he can't figure out or somebody who's there can't figure out how to get the video to work correctly and but at the same time you're on his side you know that kind of way knock itself in this documentary seems to happen in a different time scale at all from the rest of the world and that's a very beautiful thing about this well it's become it's still going Mm. Um, I've never been have you never been? no I've never been Um, I know you've been I've definitely been Uh, no I've never been I I, you know I I was watching it because I'm I'm not a believer and I but I remember thinking gosh I wonder if God forbid (laughs) I'm not a believer Something happened to either myself or any of my family members and you're trying to tick all the boxes. I wonder would I go just because it can't hurt and you never know. They have claimed quite a few miracles. Well, knock itself and the apparition being recognised was one thing but will we talk a little bit about some of the red flags or some of the things that made me feel uncomfortable in this documentary and kind of band them in together? One of them was most definitely when they were going through the commercial aspect, we were introduced to this man called Declan Waters and he is from the Holy Love Information Centre. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he starts off grand and he's smiling away. It was, this section of the documentary is kind of a very interesting look into faith and whether or not you would persuade people to believe through fear versus through compassion and forgiveness. Declan would be one of those people who would be persuading people to believe out of fear. He talks about 
he talks about abortion uh fear that the that the eighth amendment which has recently actually been repealed the, yes um recently is the 25th of may this year has allowed women to have an abortion in this country well it equates the life of the unborn with the life of the it doesn't say that the life of the unborn is more important than the life of the mother which previously did fetal but at the time of making this documentary it hadn't obviously no so at the time of making this documentary it was two years ago mm-hmm. and at that time it didn't look as if it was going to happen but this man look he's pro-life but that's it but the other thing is that when he also starts speaking about this here is a book about perpetry and let me tell you this you'd want to be sitting down when you're reading this because it'll get you to get your life together and, and get yourself straight and you kind of you can just see that aspect of the old church where it was all about control and about two seconds after you have that interview with him there's another interview with a young priest who's coming in to give confession in Locke and he talks about his faith and he talks about speaking with people seeing the relief when they have confessed something and listening to the, the special bond between a priest and the parishioners when they come to confess the things that they have done wrong and he talks about the importance of forgiveness and what he actually says is that he feels very honoured to be part of their sacred story it's a really lovely way of kind of looking at it so this is how this documentary kind of immediately and I have to say when I first watched this in the I cinema in Galway the person who was sitting beside me stood up and walked out of the cinema when Declan Waters came on she didn't get through that interview Mm. she walked out she was disgusted Mm, I could see that you know if she had stayed a little bit longer she would have kind of seen the other side of it Mm. and the, the other one which really didn't sit well with me was Maria Carroll who claims to have been cured of her MS when she went on a pilgrimage in 1989. Now, she's going through the process of seeing whether or not it is actually a cure, mm-hmm. a miracle cure or not. So part of that process, Dr. Dermot Murray is involved in it and he talks about the need to have scientific and med- medical criteria. She apparently never had an official diagnosis. However, two consultants have looked at her notes and feel that whatever happened to her was inexplicable and that sometimes this can happen. But she, Maria, puts it down to faith. And we see her talking to people. And look, I don't know this woman. Say she's one of these inspirational speakers. And it just, that doesn't sit well. Well, we don't know. We don't know, no. It just doesn't sit well with me to see the faces of vulnerable people who might be ill themselves. Looking at her and her telling them, this happened to me, I stood up and I walked away. I couldn't move, I was incontinent. I stood up and I walked away after visiting the Shrine of Knock. Well, the other side of that is that she believes that. Yeah, and her daughter and does maybe, have MS. Yes, and yeah. but maybe she gives people hope, whether it's yes. founded or unfounded. Yes, yeah. I mean, she comes across as, you know, very confident in her story. That's what she believes happened to her. So I guess there's no harm in it if she's giving hope to people who have very little hope. Um, I, I would just as I said there's very few moments in this that make me feel uncomfortable because it is so beautifully done but that that was one of those kind of like mm, moments for me well I'd like to get my hands on that purgatory book oh yeah I think that would be very interesting to see do you reckon <laughs> it might help me to get my life in order yeah you have to get yourself <laughs> back on track now missus after like all your swooning over the national <laughs> that's true yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should read that book immediately. Indeed, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. There's one or two things, like you could take a couple of lessons out of a few books. Mm, I know, and this... get some statues. I think the statues yeah. were really interesting. I and mean, they have a few of those stories 
are devoted to statues because it's their biggest seller. Yeah. And every statue has a funny superstition around it or a funny belief. Um, the St. Joseph statue, you're supposed to bury upside down in the garden if you're selling a house. Yeah. Uh, for luck. So I don't know what St. Joseph's link to house sales is. I don't know. But apparently it works. Yeah. And the St. Joseph statues are flying out of the shop in Knock. And the St. Anthony, they talk obviously about St. Anthony and the patron saint of lost causes and St. Jude and the child of Prague. See, a lot of people don't actually know about these things. So St. Anthony finds stuff. Mm-hmm. St. Jude is the patron saint of... So they're all like... Marvel superheroes. Superheroes. If you lose something, you ask. Yeah, you ask Saint Anthony, and you promise him a donation, and then uh, you find it, and then you give him a donation later on. And then someone uh, in the documentary actually speaks about it as if it's a fait accompli. You know, he says you you ask Saint Anthony, and the next day, yeah, (laughs) it's right there. Oh yeah, it's contract. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, and I have done that in my past. My father's name was Anthony. My father passed away over twenty years ago. I would always have said like since my father died that I never lose anything you know okay. I think what it is is that in that moment you're going around in a blind panic you know and then you stop and you go okay say to Anthony help me find my glasses and then you put your foot out and they're like underneath armchair or something yeah there's no harm yeah. in it and it's kind of endearing yeah people love it um, and of course the weather yeah you see the child brag the day before you have a wedding so it's said that if you put the child of Prague outside in a bucket, that you will have good weather for the wedding the following day. And we're joking about it, but a lot of people believe this in Ireland. So much so that we have had some crazy weather. I know we spoke about it in our last podcast that we had a heat wave and then it was gone and I was kind of delighted. It has come back with a serious fury since. And yeah, it's the hottest in Ireland, uh, the hottest weather in Ireland in 40 years. It's ever recorded. Mm-hmm. The, the <laughs> highest temperatures ever recorded. So whichever one of you listeners has the child of Prague in the garden, can you just bring it in? Because, <laughs> you know, I can't handle it anymore. I know you love it, Tracy. I do love I it. No, I, I can't. Yeah. But we live, we live beside the beach, so we're very lucky. Oh, yeah. Mm. Blessed are we. I'm yes. swimming. Yes. So, uh, so, yeah, all the statues... The whole statue folklore element is, is kind of interesting and endearing as well. It's quite sweet. Yeah. And then you see those lovely little shots and stuff that they sell. And again, this director is smart and real subtle stuff like the medal for a happy death. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> this kind of stuff. You know, so the more you kind of watch it, the more you see all these these lovely little things. Yeah, the medal, the medal area is a whole other huge area in the store as well. And each medal is, uh, brings different elements of luck in your life. I mean, the the one part of this that did really, really touch me was watching the people. And it's done, as you say, very subtly. She is panning occasionally through the crowd or she's watching. Other, there's a couple moving, you know, from one side to the other to, with the flower bank or whatever. There's nothing particularly happening in it. But there's one moment where a man is pushing his wife or partner in the wheelchair and then he stops and they're just looking at the grotto and then he just rubs her head really gently and it's a tiny moment and she doesn't dwell on it and she moves on and I thought oh you know that they are going to knock because it's giving them such comfort to be there so whether I believe in that or not or whether anybody else does that's working for them and it's a moment of positivity in and it's giving them some kind of comfort and I just thought that was nice to see 
That's mm. the point of knock. That's, that's what the whole thing is about. It's just so, so beautiful to see the rest and the comfort that people find in their feet. There's another moment where he's blessing a woman outside the church. Father Gibbons is blessing a woman outside the church. And he blesses her forehead and then he puts his hand on her head. And you can see her head goes down, the reverence and the... Just, you can just feel a weight has been lifted. I actually, unsurprisingly, because I seem to be consistently crying at documentaries these days, I did get quite emotional when they were talking to the young boys who would... There's young guys who had walked for eight and a half hours barefoot. Oh yes, talk about what that what that um, practice is all about. Okay, so the idea of a pilgrimage is it's a sacrifice. It's a a walk or something that you would do. You would climb a mountain. Famously in Ireland, Crow Patrick is one that people uh, would walk barefoot. What's the name of the one? The Camino, is it? No. Oh, the Camino in Spain. Yeah, that's yeah. a long pink pilgrimage, but Ireland. And Loch Derg in Ireland would be another yeah. one. So people literally, they take off their shoes and socks. Yeah. They're not walking on sand. No. They're walking on rocks. It's very difficult terrain. I'm climbing Crow Patrick. It's a rough mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Irish weather people, on top of it. People die doing this well, every year. When they, they do, do it to themselves. They, you know, they do it yeah. by choice. They're not doing... <laughs> no, nobody's forced to no. do it. It's, it's not like a, a reality TV show. Although it would be a great idea for <laughs> <laughs> And they eat, you know, they have bread and they drink water and uh, they, they put themselves through that for, usually for somebody else or for a, a penance or for the Lord or whatever they, they feel they should do it for. So in this documentary, we see these young boys uh, arriving at the church and they're after walking for it some time i think he said he was coming from balahadreen they'd walked for eight and a half hours one of their one of the boys brother jonathan had drowned two weeks beforehand and in their words they said what you're doing is taking the pain you take some of the pain from that person for them it was important they have nothing but memories left and for them it was important that if they don't have their faith, they don't have anything. And it was just the way, just one guy in the way when he's saying it, you just, these are young kids. Yeah, how old were they? I'd say they were 16, 17. Mm. Do you know? Yeah, they were about that. So so no matter what, again, you know, I'm so cynical about all of this stuff, but you have to kind of, you have to see that Knock is a little, a mecca, a home for all of this, all these feelings and the, this penance and these pilgrimages and People who want an anchor, you know, they're looking for somewhere to go, a place where they can meet like-minded individuals who've probably also walked there barefoot or going through a terrible time in their life and they're finding solace in the church. And Knock is a, is a great base for that. So Knock tends to have a, an influx of pilgrims coming into it and people flowing in and out around the basilica and the shrine. So it looks, you know, at the devotees as well. Not all of them are looking for a miracle cure. Not all of them are there praying for a sick relative or something like that. In fact, I've been to Knock a few times. Knock is the, I suppose it was the ultimate road trip for when we were growing up. So my grandmother, who was a matriarchy of the family, would put the word out that we were going to Knock. And there'd be one or two of us chosen to go with her. And I was chosen to go. No. No, no, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> I was chosen to go. I didn't experience anything like this in our family. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to sit into this car. While we're going on the way up, we would always play this game called I Spy. Have you ever played I Spy? Mm-hmm. 
So the idea behind I spy is you say I spy with my little eye something beginning with and then you, you choose a letter of the alphabet. So say if you said C, then someone would go, oh, cow or car or chair or something. And you'd have to guess what they had said, you know. We played it the whole way up. We had a bit of crack in the car. Like, so then you've got my granny, you've got my uncle, you've got me and one of my cousins. I can't remember which one. I'm so sorry. So we arrive okay. into the shrine. When you get to the shrine, the first thing you do traditionally is you do a lap of the, it's actually the basilica. You do a, a, a lap of the basilica and you tell the rosary. So we're walking around. There's me and about 40 other people in a lap going around the basilica. Hail Mary, Mother God. Okay. And just repeating these kind of mantra just prayers. Just walking. Just walking okay. around in circles. And at the time, this was some. There was this common practice that you'd walk in a circle around. I think it was actually the child of the, ma- the the mass of the children or something. There was a special child's mass on. But we were going around anyway before mass was due to begin in the basilica, and we were saying decades of the rosary. When you go around to the back of the church at this time, um, there was a glass wall, so you could see in. You could see the statues, and the statues are supposed to depict exactly what the apparition was so you'd see Mary and you'd see Joseph and you'd see John the Evangelist and you'd see the the know, lamb the lamb and, and the are cross. they life-sized or are they larger yeah, um, than life well see I was a kid so in my head they're larger than life hmm. and they're all immaculately white but hmm. I don't think they're there anymore because of course in this documentary they raise millions to do a complete refurbishment of the oh, basilica okay. yeah as we're walking around Granny comes over to me and she kind of gives me an elbow and I said like we were in the middle of the rosary so I was kind of looking at her going oh, no, 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 no. you have to repeat back somebody says one half of a prayer and you say the response so she stops in the middle of the rosary and she goes I spy with my little eye something beginning with M and she points to the Virgin Mary and I was like well my granny passed away a couple of months ago and it was one of my favourite memories of going to knock oh. was this little game that we played together and she was just a great woman but knock for us was you know it was always like a real day out eating the sandwiches and drinking the lemonade and we never got red lemonade because we were just too hyper after it <laughs> and then doing all these ritualistic things you know like going yeah. to mass and saying and the rosary probably still a lot of children abroad aren't they oh yeah mm. yeah and of course like if you were going to knock you had to bring at least five or 10 litres of holy water with you because holy water honest God People have been paying for water in Ireland for some time, but only holy water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So you didn't bring it with you. You picked it up there. Yeah, well, sure. Oh, right. You can get these like massive, I think they're like five litre cartons. And if somebody was going, you'd be expected to get loads for the whole family. How so do you get it? What, what is it? Is you it buy it. And they sell it. They sell it, yeah. Ah. You see these big white cartons. And actually in this Just documentary. Say holy water on it. Yeah, it says knock and the lamb and the cross. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you see the priest go up into the water vats just above the kind of shrine and he blesses the holy water because like the water is blessed by the priest but they've got taps and it comes out of the tap and you fill it up it's amazing like. it's a great industry great merchandise I'm telling you you can get like great statues and you can even get statues of the former Pope JP mm-hmm. you know John Paul II you need a statue for everything yeah, and we really have to talk about the handmaids. I know, I see the word handmaids now. With yes, interesting. Yeah. There's this one, Mildred, that's in the documentary. And, and she's, she's lovely. She's feisty. Mm-hmm. How come the men can't 
like how come the men are out holding the lantern the women should be allowed to hold the lanterns and she's a real little you know revolutionary yeah so these handmaids they were set up in 1935 by this woman called judy coyne and she went to lords and when she was in lords which is another marian shrine in france it's quite a big one she saw all these people there who had special needs and they required um, basically assistance to bring them from a to b so they weren't nurses but they were volunteers that would assist the pilgrims that, as they were coming and she thought this would be a great idea for Knox so she went around seeing could she get any volunteers Mildred is there going oh the women are perfectly capable of holding the lantern this is like a procession that they have where they put the I'm not joking they put the trolley on a statue and they kind of parade it down through the shrine and then it arrives which you see this quite commonly now mm. initially where they yeah, have these yeah, yeah yeah so they have this knock as well and um, you'd have several men standing out in front dressed in some kind of a costume and then you'd have these handmaids and they're all adorned in these white costumes but it is quite of course I'm referring the whole time to the handmaid's tale Margaret Atwood's book mm-hmm. but also the the Hulu series that's out at the moment so you can't say the word handmaid but I'm thinking about the consequences I suppose of you know religion if it's taken to its extreme yeah but even if it's not taken to its extreme this is seen as you know in common practice this wouldn't be seen as an extreme act against women and their independence and even the, as we they interview you know she interviews um the handmaids and they're delighted to to have the job you know they're they're thrilled to be helping out and they do a lot of good oh it's great i yeah. mean i i'm opposed to it in theory but yeah. um they're they seem quite happy and she's she's fantastic mildred she's great she's to watch. really yeah yeah she's, oh, very, she's very endearing yeah she's really lovely and then of course we have to talk about because this is just great this is priceless the marriage bureau there are two people in the documentary and they sort through boxes of files basically so they have all the men in one box and they have women in the other box and they go through and they match people up based on their answers i guess in a questionnaire or in a form no their height it seems no yeah but some of the questions are about height and about interests and whatever yeah so i mean it's it's a humorous and it's funny but i mean it's very antiquated this is something that wouldn't even happen in the 50s I know, but like, as I was saying to you earlier on, I think that this is the special thing about Knock. You could see how this would work in Knock. These envelopes and a priest and this woman sitting down bickering over whether or not this guy in Donegal matches up with this girl in Sligo because, oh, she's, no, they wouldn't be suitable at all. That's just really good. You do see people saying that the church needs to progress and that Knock needs to progress with it. But you still have these two. I love to think of them just sitting there with their envelopes, matching up the files. They actually have had over a thousand marriages since it was set up. I'd say they have because people who send in their details are in an envelope. I mean, they're not obviously doing anything else. They're not online. It's their only hope. They have to be <laughs> take whoever's given to them well, in the know. match. Well, some of the women he was saying had uh, PhDs. I was uh, okay. Fair enough. Maybe in the beginning when it was established in 1968. Fair enough. But I don't know now. I think it's very. I, I just like that it exists and that these two people are there in this little office that they've been given valuable commercial space <laughs> to set up this. Yeah, I don't think I'd probably never go to knock. If I did go, it would be completely out of curiosity and just just to have a look and poke around and take some funny pictures. I think it is a very fascinating place. One moment that kind of stuck with me is when they're revealing the new basilica. So they've built this brand new multi million, like built on the found, like on the donations of the parishioners. They have built this new basilica. 
and they unveil, there's a curtain over a mural and they unveil the mural. As part of this supposed ritual, they have descendants of the 15 original witnesses that gave their testimonies. So again, she's taking shots of them as they're walking up with these little candles, bringing them up to the altar and they're all take their position on the altar and then the curtain is lowered and you see this mural revealed and it's, it's like just, it's just a mural but it's very, you can see to them it's a symbol of their community and their faith and you see their faces, she's really captured on their faces, they're like, you know, you can see this woman taking a deep breath in when she sees it and just awe and that kind of is the spirit of knock. The, the whole kind of captures the essence of what it meant to or what it means to live beside a, a Marian shrine. Beautiful. It's interesting. You don't like it? I'm, I just I just don't believe it. So no, I, I don't I, believe it either. So I don't, nice. yeah. So, but I, I appreciate that for some people it's, um, it's a special place. Yeah. You know, and if it gives people hope, even if it's, you know, for whether it's true or not, or it has any... Uh, other comforting properties <laughs> and it's um it has handmaids and it has marriage bureaus and it has statues and plastic you know all the statues, rest plastic yeah. jesus um or if it beads. gives people comfort then it's a good place in and of itself yeah and i do think that over the years since it was built it has given loads of people comfort not to mention the fact that there's an airport out there it's actually you know the whole reason why knock has a little economy for itself and probably Given the recession, uh, Knock might even exist now if Mary hadn't come along when she did, as they say. Mm, I know, it was very convenient. Fair play to her. <laughs> Mary turned up, as they said in the documentary. She saw an opening. She saw an opening. <laughs> um, this documentary is available on Amazon and it is also available in a shop in Knock, one of the Burns family shops. It's for €15 Euro to buy. Excellent. We will provide a link when we're going up. Um, posting this and uh, if you're at all interested in the topic you should google moving statues Ireland <laughs> and, and have a look at other uh, strange occurrences across the country um, also if you just google you'll see individual stories with from people online and you'll see a lot of journalists who've covered the topic and the phenomenon that that was the moving statue mass hysteria event in Ireland <laughs> yeah it's fascinating all yeah. happened to the same over the same and it's summer. true it's a true story I remember driving by a statue in the middle of this time and my dad pointing out to me that the statue said out of order <laughs> <laughs> the same director Aoife Gallagher and the same um, writer producer Rachel Lysett also have another documentary called One Million Dubliners which is about Glasnevin Cemetery in Ireland and I highly recommend it. It is incredible. Just like this one. That is why I think that Strange Currencies in a Small Irish Village is a dock that rocks. It is a dock that rocks. And also, when to watch this. If you're having a crisis of faith, if you're curious about purgatory. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking <laughs> If for... you like Ireland and you're interested in quirky Irish stories, this is certainly one of those. That's it from us for this week. This has been Docs That Rock. I'm Tracy Ferguson. I'm Sharita Jarcy. Goodbye. See you.